Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0, the mental health podcast that's changing the discussion one voice at a time. Featuring guests that will help end the stigma and keep talking mental health. And now, here are your hosts, Rebecca and Joe Lombardo. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Voices for Change 2.0. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for joining us on the, this is so exciting for me to say, the first Saturday of September for uh, the year 2020. Yeah, it, it went by fast. Yeah, yeah, this year is... Mercifully, as, as it's been, has gone by fast. Thank God it's gone by fast. <laughs> yeah. This has been a terrible year. I mean, it just has, you know. Um, waiting for the next shoe to drop. But, yeah. But, uh, but you know, hey, you know, we we got to take each day as it comes. We got to roll with the punches, and uh, we'll get through all this together. You know, I know it's a cliche, and I know you see it everywhere you go, and everybody says it, but. We really are. If we band together, we will all get through this mess. Um, we need to. We've made it this far. Yeah. Yeah. Nine months in already. Woohoo! <laughs> so, um, and September is also Suicide Awareness Month. Yep. Which is something that is close to my heart. As most of you probably know, I had um, my last suicide attempt in 2013 Mm -hmm. and it's seven years yeah seven years since since then and man have things changed a lot yeah since those times but um you know i i understand if you're if you're feeling you know that way i understand completely how you're feeling and just remember that there are people that are in your life that are going to miss you. Yes. So, and there it, are people in your life that you that love you, whether they express it or not, whether they make it known or not. There are people that do care about you. Absolutely. You and know. remember, there's a couple of of different. Well, there's a lot of different resources now, but you know, I wouldn't just I wouldn't just go online to Twitter and just start asking people for, for help because you never know if you're, if you're going to get the, the desired effect. So the, uh, the 1-800 number for suicide prevention is 1-800-273-8255. You can also text the crisis text line at 741-741 and they will answer you. That's a absolutely amazing service that they offer, and um, they got a lot of good people on there that can help you out. So, yeah, you know, don't be afraid to reach out if you're hurting and you need it. People will listen. People will care. You are definitely not being a burden. And um, one thing that always kind of rubs us the uh, wrong way is when people get accused of being cowards for seeking that out um you're not you know for those that don't understand the mindset it's 
It's not about being a coward. No, you're. You, if you're searching that out, if you're thinking along those terms, you're in a lot of pain. And that's one thing that we we want anybody who hasn't been confronted with that type of thought. We want them to understand. You know, a person doesn't get to the point of wanting to end their life without going through an insurmountable amount of pain. Right. You know, and everybody's pain is different. You know, be we have to learn to be to be respectful of that. You know, um, everybody goes through a different level of pain. Everybody has a different level of what they can handle. And sometimes you're at the end of the of your rope. Sometimes you feel like you're a burden to others, to your loved ones, and you feel that you know maybe their life would be better without you around. Um, Whatever the reason, but understand, uh, just acknowledging that person's pain is enough to make a difference. You know, a kind word, a kind thought, a kind deed. And you don't have to fix it. You don't have to fix what's wrong with them. Just be there for them while they try to fix it themselves. Yeah, hold their hand through the journey. Um, So that's that's the thing. And if you are hurting that bad, please, by all means, reach out. Reach out to the crisis tax line. Reach out to uh, the suicide prevention hotline. Uh, a friend, a loved one, somebody that you trust. Uh, don't carry that burden alone. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah. So, set our peace on that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll probably talk about it more during the month, but... You know, it's it's a good way to at least start off September. So, and the other exciting thing that is happening this month is football is coming back. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Very excited about that. Starts the thirteenth. Monday night football starts the fourteenth. But I just discovered yesterday that football in itself starts on the thirteenth. So. Yep. I'm pretty excited, except for the fact that that's the same night one of my cooking shows starts. <laughs> <laughs> I watch, religiously watch, the Halloween and Christmas baking shows. She does. And she I really does. I know some of the, the people that were on them. I talked to them on Twitter. Um, they're all great people. Yeah, and entertaining. At very entertaining and and impressive with their talents. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, stuff that they can make is is unbelievable. So, mm. yep. That's how I attempt to get into the spirit for the holidays as I watch those shows. It doesn't always work, but at least it keeps me semi entertained for, you know, however long. <laughs> <laughs> the next couple of months. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it, it is, you know, and that's that's one thing also going into uh, this season of autumn, of fall, is that it can be a hard time of year for people. I know Beck struggles with it, with the thought of, you know, knowing that after Halloween you got Thanksgiving, you got Christmas, and there's different things uh, that pop through your mind, you know, uh, loved ones that are gone and whatnot, and... Um, you know, this can be a hard time of year, too. And I think it's kind of appropriate that 
Suicide Prevention Month is September. It's like a like a staging ground for what's to come. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just to help mentally prepare yourself for it. So um, I'm excited. It's my favorite time of year. Uh, I am all about everything pumpkin and apples and changing leaves and cooler air and football and <laughs> you name it. So I'm I am now doing my happy dance. I am not a pumpkin spice person. I'll drink some apple cider, but I'm I'm not, you know, addicted to it in any way. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not a, a pumpkin spice person. I don't like pumpkin on anything and any level. There, I should tell you there's pumpkin spice special K cereal in our, yeah, in our kitchen right I now. Saw it. <laughs> I saw it. Yeah. So I anyway, sneak that in. I did. I, I, <laughs> I really did. So, um, all right. So that being said, we have a guest to introduce. We do have a guest to introduce. Yeah. Uh, he is a gentleman that I, uh, over a year, a year ago now, uh, it's, it's, hard to keep up it's been it's been a little while and we've been trying to get him on the show and um we are just glad to have him today he's an advocate for mental health and he's an author and we'd really like for you to meet mr joe potosi thank you so much rebecca and joe i appreciate this opportunity and I appreciate the fact that with this being Suicide Prevention Month that you guys bring attention to it. And not only that, but you provide you provide um resources for people to that need to reach out for help how you know, to do just that thing. Mhm. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's it's I know it's been a long time coming getting you on the show. We're happy that we have you here and uh you know, we're happy you're able to take some time to talk with us and uh you know, do you have any questions for us before we get going on things? Yeah, I kind of do. Um it might be a loaded question, but what brought you, Rebecca and Joe, to doing this pod- podcast? Obviously you want to help people. But was the process difficult to get it off the ground and get it going? Was it something that, you know, was like a pipe dream for a long time and you finally pulled the trigger and did it? And have you found a lot of support from other podcasters that kind of like a a brotherhood or a family that kind of embrace your message and your, your, your calling? to kind of help you to get established. What has that been like for you guys? Well, it wasn't something that I'd been thinking about for a very long time. It just kind of, uh, it happened because our previous producer, I was talking to him and I was going to be on one of his shows at the time. And I happened to mention to him that, I had considered the idea of doing a show with my husband because he has a unique perspective as the caregiver to someone with bipolar disorder, and I have the perspective of the person with bipolar disorder. So 
that producer thought it could be a good show, and we started off with him. Um, during that time, I met Scott because I was on a show of his, our current producer, Scott, and I was, I was on one of his shows. And um, things didn't work out with our first producer, so I came to Scott and said, hey, you know, could you could you take us on? And he said yes, thankfully. And and we've been with him now for four years. Yep. But um, it wasn't it wasn't easy, um, but it was it was worth it. Worth you know the learning, yeah, the learning process of it all. And um, you know, like I said, it wasn't something that I'd been dreaming about forever. But it was it came to my mind one day when I would listen to someone else's podcast. I said, you know what? I think we can do that. Yeah, and you know? when Beck brought it to me, I got excited about it. You know, uh, back in the mid '90s, I went to broadcasting school, and unfortunately, I wasn't ever able to take advantage of that education. But I thought, well, this is an opportunity for me to finally use some of what I've learned. And so that got me excited. And and like she said, it wasn't easy to do and, you know, trying to find our way, but, you know, we figured out, you know, equipment needs and the technical side of it to a degree. I mean, Scott handles all the, you know, getting us on there, but, you know, having the right microphone and, our headphones set up and all that stuff. At the, at the start of the whole thing, we had to be in two different rooms on two different computers to even be able to do it. So yeah. it was it was a huge pain in the butt until we started learning a little bit more. And now we're in the same room on the same mic, and it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, she can actually look at the funny faces I make at her. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and the, we have found a family mm-hmm. i guess you would say of of other podcasters that are very supportive i i personally belong to a group on facebook that's just all female podcasters and they're very supportive people but on twitter as a whole there's a lot of mental health advocates that are are doing podcasts now and mm-hmm. you know we we all kind of go back and forth. Well, I'll do your show. You can do my show and yeah. you know, it's that kind of thing. So it's, it's worked out really well. Good. I can, I can kind of relate to the struggles and the frustration. Let me explain. I had a, I was, I'm a former host of a TV and radio show. So for hmm. 12 years, um, I produced the show, but the thing was when I first started back in 2000, Everything was analog and linear. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to use the super VHS tapes, and I had to recruit my own team to kind of run the cameras, run run the lights or whatever. And, you know, it, it kind of expanded into um, something much bigger than I envisioned. Um, same with the radio. But at a point in time, I just had too much other stuff going on, and, I had to step away from it. But I, for the last probably three years, I've been really, I have this burning desire to establish something in order to kind of help mm-hmm. people, you know, and interview people. I just, I'm not sure what platform, like Zoom or 
you know, Skype or whatever. I don't know. It's just all this is new to me, you know. But with the beauty of yeah. technology, like with the radio show or the TV show, we wa- we went to digital. When they had that switch, like back in 2010 or 11, I had to learn how to do everything on the computer, like digital editing, Adobe Premiere, Adobe Pro Tools, Adobe Final Cut, all that good stuff. And um, But like I said, with technology today, you don't really need to go into, quote, unquote, a studio to do what you guys are doing or what other people are doing. And that's kind of a beautiful thing, I think. Yeah, so it's it's very cool. So for a beginner like myself that wants to launch a podcast, would you recommend Blog Talk Radio? Yeah, Blog Talk is a is a great platform for uh doing a blog for sure, doing a blog, doing a podcast for sure. Um, I'd also recommend Spreaker. Spreaker is another good one. Yep. Um our our uh, first incarnation with our old producer, we did that on Spreaker, and we recorded the shows uh, versus doing them live. Uh, and that part of that had to do with uh, how things were kind of going at the time. It was just easier to record them. Now with Blog Talk uh, and with Scott, we actually do the shows live. Um, so... Yeah, you know, I can tell you it's 11:17 uh a.m. Eastern time uh on Saturday, September 5th and uh we're live. Yeah. And with nice. with Spreaker, they're really good about um there's options for each episode. You can turn you can click go you know, go through the list and click off who else you want to be broadcasted on so they've they're doing like itunes for me and you know all kinds of other stuff every time i upload one of our shows to that it goes to uh i want to say seven or eight different platforms platforms uh from spreaker so that helps out a lot yep nice okay well yeah, thank you for uh, that information yeah, no yeah, problem. No problem. Anytime. So, with that said, we're going to grill you. <laughs> no, I'm teasing you. Um, we, we do have some questions for you. And the first one we've got is a standard one that we ask everybody uh, first, and that is where did your mental health journey begin? That's a good question. Um, I'd have to say as as a child, um, due to the circumstances I was living under, um, the mm-hmm. PTSD, CPTSD, anxiety, depression, that was obviously I didn't know that's what it was, but that's where it originated from being, being beaten physically, locked in the basement, berated daily. Um, as I grew up, I, Develop certain patterns and certain mindsets, such as maybe my mom is right. I am a piece of garbage. I'm worthless. I'm nothing. And when I, you know, turned 18 and joined the military, went into real life, I didn't have real good coping skills to deal with life at life on life's terms. 
and mm-hmm. I, I, I fell flat, up, flat on my face, right, as a result. But eventually um, what happened was when I got married and discovered that, well, I got married in 96. In 1997, um, um, I became a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. But from 1985 till 97, I turned to alcohol because by turning to alcohol, it took away the pain, if that makes sense. It, it will take, mm-hmm. it'll block out the painful things I was dealing with. And I, I, was, I was walking around in a, rage, in a rage, right? I had a reputation as, you know, I promised my grandparents, let me say this, I, my, my grandfather was in World War II. He was in Pearl Harbor. And I promised him I wouldn't mm-hmm. be the typical sailor, you know, the drunk guy in the bars fighting whoever, you know, drop of a hat, go to these foreign countries and tear up the town. That's exactly what I became. And at the time, mm-hmm. I didn't realize this, but that's how I dealt with my, my mental, the issues going on in my mind and my, you know, the things I was struggling with. And when I, when I moved to Dubuque, Iowa, where I presently reside, met my present wife, we, we both drank like three to four nights a week. Um, I mm. played league darts, so I guess that was an excuse. But it was in 97 that all that changed in terms of the drinking, and I put myself in treatment, and I started really looking at internally what was going on with me, right? And I it started mm-hmm. I started peeling away the layers, like an onion almost. And I went to counseling. It wasn't traditional counseling in the sense of we going to see a counselor, quote unquote. In my case, I went to my pastor, and we met every week. And I just kind of opened up my, I just poured out my heart and just got stuff off my chest, and and just did a lot of inventory of where I was and where I'm at now. And what happened was in 1998, I discovered I was going to be a father. And I, you know, by this point, I forgiven my birth father, my, my real father. I forgiven him for abandoning the family when I was three. I've forgiven him. I have let it go. And it, it released me in a, in a sense. And I loved my mother. And I guess by default, because I loved her, I forgave her. But I discovered when I got into the real world, I truly didn't forgive her because I was so resentful and angry at her and my stepfather, right? But it was at this point in time when I knew I was going to be a, a dad, I started having dreams and nightmare about what, nightmares about what I went through as a, as a child. It was really bizarre and really strange. And not in an audible voice, but God kept telling me, I have forgiven you. Who are you not to forgive, Right. And then one particular day, I was, laying, I was laying on the bed, and I made a conscious decision to forgive my mother and my stepfather, to release them. They didn't come to me and ask for forgiveness. And I was carrying around all this emotional baggage for years, and it was destroying me on the inside. It was affecting my relationships. And as I mentioned before, it, it manifests itself through my poor choices, um, when I was in the Navy and right afterwards with relationships and financially, I bought a house, I bought a car, had a good job, but I lost it all. 
I lost it all over drinking. But really, drinking wasn't the cause. It was my thinking and my mindset and my mental my mental condition, if that makes any sense. Yes. And so absolutely, you know. Yeah. And so um that's basically it. Um I hope that answers what you, answers the question. But oh, absolutely. I, I, guys, very much. You got you guys mentioned something at the very beginning. I want to share with you real quick about 2000 or 2020, how hard it's been. Mm-hmm. It's been extremely hard for me, just like everybody else. I remember when everything first started happening, I'd get home from work and I watched the news every day, every day I watched the news. Right. And then mm-hmm. I decided yeah, I, I got to stop doing this because it was affecting me. Right. You don't know who to believe. You don't know what's, the truth of what's being said, you're hearing contradictions. It, it was mentally, it was just, I was, I was becoming overwhelmed. And I can't speak for anyone else, but I knew it was becoming unhealthy. Because, mm-hmm. let's face it, guys, mainstream media, they don't report the news. They interpret the news based on their agenda, so you believe what they're telling you. You know, they have an agenda behind it all. And a lot of people, there's a lot of people that won't read, but they'll listen to the news or watch the news and they'll take it as gospel, you know, not doing any fact-checking. So, um, and about in December of 2019, I lost one of my jobs. I was a college pastor at a local church for seven years. And it wasn't just mm-hmm. a job. It was my calling. It was my... It was a passion of mine. I love helping people of all ages. I volunteered at a nursing home for 14 years. I used to go into the county jail and the halfway house. Um, but anyway, long story short, I had this job, mm-hmm. and I was working with college students from literally all over the world that would come here to go to university. And when the church said, you know, we are going to um, – well, two years ago, they cut their salary in half, but I kept doing the job because to me, it wasn't just a job. It was a purpose for my life, and I was making an impact on other people's lives. That's what mattered. So they right. cut my salary in half, and then last summer, they said, you know, we're going to have to, we can no longer keep you on, on staff. So in December, that would be the end of it. And... I really, really, really struggled with that. You know, I put on a good face, mm-hmm. and they they said I, I, I took that decision with grace and with humility. But as, as that time drew nearer, and when December finally rolled around, I became so bitter, so disappointed, because everyone in the church, like the lay people, knew the impact I had made. Only through yeah. God's grace and power, of course. And when it, when it, the third week of December came up and I was done, I really, really, really struggled with that. And during yeah. the whole time, I, I was having back problems. And I, I've been having lower back problems for a lot of years. 
I just kept putting off surgery. I'll get injections on my low back. I discovered by lifting weights and doing cardio, I was able to keep the immobility at bay. I was able to still function as a normal person. I was able to keep the pain threshold way down because I was, you know, strengthening my core, strengthening my body, et cetera. But eventually right. uh, had that surgery. So July 8th, I had major surgery on my low back. And along with that, so we're, you know, coronavirus, you know, thank God right. I was still able to work. I was still able to work then the whole process. I work at a university here in Dubuque. Um, I had the surgery, and I'm going back to work next week. But there's been some good days and bad days emotionally, you know, about mm-hmm. being in this situation, you know? And yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, I was going to say, go ahead, it, John, it, it's, it's, it's had an impact on, on everyone. And it does get overwhelming, you know, uh, when the whole COVID thing first hit uh, last February, March, I was designated designated as uh, essential in my job, so I wasn't ever off work. I've been working this entire time, and there would be days where it would just be emotionally overwhelming. It was it was bizarre, you know. And I know for Beck, you know, it was and still continues to be an overwhelming thing too. She has left the house. You don't mind me telling this, babe. She's left the house literally once since February, and that was for a doctor's appointment. Um, it's just she hasn't wanted to leave the house in any way uh, because of it. Plus, I also suffer from agoraphobia, so yeah, that's a big part of it as well. Yes. But, you know, and I've been freaked out about bringing it home because I'm in multiple businesses on a daily basis. For what I do, I work for a uniform company, and I'm always going from business to business, picking up dirty uniforms, delivering the clean ones and whatnot. And seeing the emotional impact that this has had not only on our lives, but the lives of everybody that I've encountered as it's gone on um, has just been, you know, it it gives you a chance to kind of reevaluate the important things in life, you know, um, and, and it sucks. Cause like there, there are times like I would love to see my mom, but I stay away and just call her because I don't want to bring this to her doorstep. You know, she's going to be 79 this year and you know, she doesn't need me getting her sick or anything, mm-hmm. you know, bad enough. Versa. Yeah. You know, and bad enough. I have to worry about bringing it, home to my family, you know? So I completely understand how this can have an overwhelming feeling for you as well. Um, on top of having to get the, the back surgery and on, on top of, uh, you know, losing the, the position that you had back in, in December. Um, and that's, you know, that's doubly hard for you because of, you you know, that it was, it's one of those things where, if you find what you uh, excel at, you know, you don't work a day in your life kind of thing, you know, and that sounds like that's what that position was for you. Absolutely. Yes, sir. 
Yeah. Well, on that note, we're going to go ahead and take our break. Um, we're going to be listening to the song called Sorry by David Hernandez. And uh, you guys stay tuned. We'll be back on the other side of this.
back to welcome back to Voices Change 2.0. Uh, I'm Joe. I apparently can't talk very well. Um, the beautiful woman to my right is my lovely, wonderful, effervescent Rebecca. <laughs> Going Hi. a little overboard. I love you, baby. Hi. I love you too, honey. <laughs> and on the line we have the lovely and talented Mr. Joe Potosi. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no problem. Been, uh, this has been, a, like I said, a pleasure to talk with both of you. Well, thanks. Yeah, Likewise. we appreciate that. Yeah. So, next question we've got for you. You want to ask, babe? Sure. Okay. Um, what was the the catalyst? What What made you decide to come out and speak about your mental health? Okay. So, let me strike the stage by putting it to you this way. It's been probably 13 years ago, probably longer than that. My kids were pretty young. I had two sons. Um, I was still struggling with how to deal with my mother. She was still a, a very toxic, hateful, vindictive individual. She's been that way my mm-hmm. whole life. But I, I would always try to buy her affection. I would bend over backwards at the drop of a hat because... That's just the way I've always dealt with her. And I realize now I was always trying to buy her affection. I was always buying her things and treating her to this or that ever since I was a kid in order for her to like me. So um, I just started the journal, right? And I would, on the, in this journal, I would write down some very, I'll get to this stage in the journal where I would write down some very graphic, traumatic events that happened in my life as a child and it it felt like it was I was releasing that right then my wife who's an avid reader she's probably read a thousand books no exaggeration Hmm. I would read by the way she's a mental health nurse which is a plus right Um, I would read to her I would read to her in my journal because I wanted to see what she thought and no kidding guys I'll read I'll be reading to her you know a couple pages or whatever and everything was fine. But when I would get to those traumatic events, it's like I hit a brick wall and the floodgates opened mm. up. And it's, I'm not ashamed to admit this. I started bawling like a baby. And that's yeah. when I realized that there's still some healing that has to take place, right? So I continued mm-hmm. along in this journey, in this journal. All the while, I was still doing all this ministry work with the jail, people in jail, the nursing home the TV in conjunction with working full time and raising my two kids. But at a point in time, my wife says, you know, she goes, you should really write a book because you can help so many people by sharing your story, by being transparent. And so what started as a journal became a book and I wrote the book. Hmm. My motivation has always been if the book helps one person, it serves its purpose. Right. And, it's helped me immensely. It, it, it's been, um, I don't know the technical term, but it's, uh, it's just been healing for me. And I recommend that for it's everybody. Been, it was cathartic. 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 That's cathartic. the word. Yes, yeah. sir. That's yes, sir. Word. Yeah. What, what's the book called? The book is called When the Dust Settled, 
between a rock and a hard place. Hmm. And, and I, where I just can people chronicle. find it? They can find my book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Zulon Press. That's X-U-L-O-N Press. Also, I have a website. And on the website, I have links to the book, JoePatosi.com. Hmm. Okay. Okay, perfect. Very cool. So the uh the book it's it's would you say it's more of a memoir kind of kind of thing or how would you describe it? Yes, it's a memoir. Biography. Cool. And I just I just chronicle um my life from the age from my earliest memory being about the age of three and a half until the age of 18. Um, and I'm presently working on the second book, um, and it may even be a third. The third book is probably going to be a fiction book about the War of 1812. Oh, okay. So, Interesting. Yeah, I'm intrigued by the whole story. And um, it's it's kind of building in my mind, this this story I'm going to create. And uh, it's going to be good. But, you know, um, in my book, I take you with me on this journey. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people that have read it have said, you know, they can't, they couldn't put it down or they felt like they were there with me. But I need to say something, and I'm getting goosebumps as I think of this. This is what I want to say okay. to you, Rebecca, you, Rebecca, and you, Joe. And everyone that's listening, and this is what I want to say. Your condition does not have to be your conclusion. Your condition, whatever that is, that's negative or holding you back or it's it's uh, cramping your style. Maybe you, you went through an extremely traumatic, awful childhood, and as a result, you're carrying around all these wounds and all this baggage, and it's destroying you on the inside. Well, that doesn't have to be your conclusion. In other words, what I'm trying to convey is if you fall down nine times, get up ten. Never give up. Mm-hmm. Never quit. Um, you, you have a value that's unmeasurable. You have a plan and a purpose in this thing we call life. I don't know what that is, but God does. And, you know, I need to mention this to you guys because this is in my book. When I was a kid, there was a point in time I had four younger brothers and one older sister. There became a time in my life. I was like a father figure to my younger brothers, my two youngest brothers, that I wanted to kill myself. Because I got tired of my stepfather pulling a gun on me and pulling the trigger. I got tired of him locking me in the basement. I got tired of him being so evil toward me. So I went looking for mm-hmm. a gun one day and I couldn't I couldn't find that gun. But that's when the light came on and again I believe it was God conveying a message and he said, You need to be there for your sisters and your brothers. And my life got a whole lot worse after, even after that episode. But I was determined that they would not kill my spirit, my mom and my stepdad. No matter what they did to me, they would not destroy me. 
Every day I woke up motivated to be there for my brothers and my sister, to do what I had to do, to grin and bear it. And you know what? When I talk about your condition, doesn't have to be your conclusion. My, both my, all three of my parents, alcoholics, my mom and stepdad were into smoking weed and other drugs. And mm. they, had, they had bad childhoods as well, all three of them. But that did not give them yeah. the right to do what they did to me and my siblings. But this is the thing I want to bring across. Your condition doesn't have to be your conclusion. Guess what? I have two sons today, 19 and 21, and I've broken that cycle. They don't know what it's like to be homeless or to be locked in the basement or to be, you know, physically attacked all the time, verbally abused every single day. They don't know that. That cycle's been broken. It's done. My kids know that they're loved and they love. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. Well done. Yeah, good, good on you there for for breaking the cycle. And it's hard, you know. Um, I uh, I feel for you, you know. Um, tell us about the challenges of having PTSD and CPTSD all at once. Um, how has that been? Good question. Um, early on in my recovery, when I got real with myself, I didn't I didn't realize the triggers that were there the whole time, right? And I had to educate myself, and I over time I've learned the certain things I can and cannot do any longer because it triggers me. Um, for an example, my mother, she lives in the same city as I do, but I basically had mm-hmm. to just as awful as this may sound, I know, Joe, you mentioned your mom, and you love your mm-hmm. mother, obviously. I had to sever ties with her because she's such a toxic, toxic person. When, you know, yeah. As recently as a year ago, I would still try to help her. She don't drive. I will take her near Chicago to see my other family members. I would take her to church. I would take her to meetings, et cetera, et cetera. And it was never good enough, and she would belittle me or berate me to – people behind my back and it got back to me and it just really it affected me it's like you know it affected me emotionally and I was carrying this to like to work and my family life I was just really uh, irritated and short toward the people that I love and but through programs such as yours I've learned I've learned coping tools tools that help me to get through every day, one day at a time. And to mm-hmm. realize that by separating myself from those toxic people, although it's, you know, it's not ideal, in my situation, it, it's necessary for me to be the best person I can be, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, we understand all too well the idea of cutting out toxic people from your life, even if their family. Um, we've had to do it ourselves and, uh, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do and it can be quite painful, but sometimes it's necessary, you know, um, your life is your life. It doesn't, doesn't belong to anybody else, you know? Um, and, and so for anybody to try and hold dominion over you, be it, 
a parent or a sibling or, you know, an aunt or uncle or grandparent or whoever, um, recognizing your own worth and saying, hey, you know what, this isn't good for me, this treatment, and I don't like how you're treating me. And if that can't be respected and the behavior doesn't change, then you have every right in the world to remove that person from your life. You can love them. You can forgive them. Um, but they don't have to be a factor in your life all the time. Exactly. You know, uh, absolutely. You know, it's it's like that. It's like that line. This is going to be cheesy. Out of uh, the end of Batman Begins, when Batman is fighting uh, Ra's al Ghul, Rachel Ghul, he says to him, "I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you." You know, and that that always kind of resonated with me is, you know, I love you, but I don't need you in my life. And, you know, you're causing me pain. And if you won't respect my feelings and wishes, then there's the door. Don't let it hit you where the good Lord split you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, and this is what this pastor told me years ago. I was struggling at that time with some guys at work. Very toxic work mm-hmm. environment. I mean, the guys were real. It was just a real hostile work environment. And we were all teamsters, yeah. you know, we're all in this unit together. But I had the TV show, you know, at this time, and people would see it, and they would come to work, and they would, you know, it was like it was like fuel for gossip, you know, the gossip hour there in breaks or whatever. And the pastor told me something that I try to apply even today, and he goes, pray for those people that, you know, are attacking you verbally or, you know, don't like you or make your life miserable. He goes, but more, more the chances are those people are not going to change, but you will change your perspective and your attitude, and you will change and you will learn and grow. And it took me years to realize I had to jettison the relationship with my mother. You know, because mm-hmm. I watched her being beaten as a kid by my stepfather. He broke her jaw, broke her collarbone. And mm-hmm. I seen all the stuff she went through, all the struggles she endured, <clears throat> you know. And <clears throat> she is my mother. But I am much happier today because I have distanced her out of my life. I just, you know, I, I mentioned before I had back surgery. And I only mm-hmm. shared that with my sister couple of my brothers and my mom heard about it she didn't call or anything which I was expecting her to but it just yeah. reminded me it just reminded me of just where I stand in her eyes you know and yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that today you know I don't hate her yeah, I don't hate my stepfather and that's good go ahead I'm sorry yeah no I was going to say that you know that's it's an unconscionable thing for a mother not to check on her child after he's had a major surgery like that. But, you know, it just speaks to her toxicity and how you don't need that in your life. And it's harder cutting off, you know, a mother versus a sibling, you know, um, I believe me, I, I get that, you know, um, but still, you know, there are, there are parents that are like that, that are just toxic, you know, and it's hard. 
you know, I, I, I feel for you because I know how difficult that, that must have been uh, severing those ties. But I think you're in a better place for it, you know. Absolutely. Yes, sir. You know, I and mentioned we're, too, we're getting go, down. No, go go ahead, Joe. I was going to mention real quickly, you know, I never wanted to have kids. But I'm going to tell you mm-hmm. something. <laughs> It's the greatest, it's the hardest thing I've ever done, being a father, and it's the most rewarding. And I can tell you today that by having my sons, that has boosted my self-esteem and my self-worth, and it's it's done so much for me as a person, you know. And mm-hmm. they're my life, you know. And that's, and that's awesome. You know, I mean, yeah. you, don't, you don't always expect you give an idea of how a situation is going to be, but until you're actually in it, you know, that's the, the, uh, the big difference, you know, uh, for us, it was with our great niece being here now. Um, you know, and it's, and it's pretty cool getting to see her grow up, you know, but, um, right. Anyway, uh, we're, we're winding down to the end of our time, unfortunately, because uh, we're having a, a great conversation with you, but you know, the march of time is constant. So, <laughs> so you want to just uh, quickly fill us in on what you've got coming up next? Sure, I have. Um, due to COVID, a lot of the speaking engagements have been postponed, but they're starting to pick up again. I'm going to be speaking in a church in Platteville, Wisconsin, in about three weeks. Um, I have a, a show tonight um, with Lana. I don't know his last name. Um, but once things start to reopen, I plan on once again going to, like, the local libraries and coffee shops and just sharing my story with the intention of trying to inspire and encourage people. My story is not unique. There's people with a lot worse stories than myself. But I think the biggest difference could be I found the ability to forgive. And once I did mm-hmm. that, it my mental health, you know, was boosted. And and I was able to regain my confidence and self-esteem and all that. And I just want other people to know that, you know, that they can get through this. That they, no matter what they're facing, nothing is so bad that, first of all, you want to take your own life. And second of all, that you don't have... You know, you're not significant or no one cares or whatever. I just want to bring hope to people. And yeah. Yeah. So, and as I mentioned, I'm working <laughs> on my second book. And yep. I'm back in college again and pretty busy. Well, that's uh, great. Good. Yeah. Um, do you want to give out your social media where people can? track you down and talk with you uh, really quick? Sure. Thank you. So I have a website, JoePotosi.com. I'm also on Instagram, mm-hmm. Joe underscore Potosi. I'm on Twitter with Rebecca. It's uh, Joe Potosi. And, yeah, that's about it. Um, so hopefully maybe I'll have some opportunity to meet some of your listeners and uh, just visit with them. Um, I'm going to be having a giveaway from time to time. I give away free books 
Hmm. And I'm, I'm working okay. on doing that again. I'll be posting that on Facebook, um, Joe Potosi on Facebook. And because, you know, obviously we all have stories, like I said before, but it takes a lot of courage to just put your story out there, you know, with no regrets. And I'm not ashamed of my story because of where I'm at today. And by mm-hmm. God's grace, here I am. And I believe without him in my life and without how he's worked in my life, I believe without my heart, I would have been either locked up or buried up a long time ago. Yeah. I, I feel you on that. Yeah, well, we're we're glad that you're still with us, and we're glad that you were able to take a little bit of time out of your Saturday to chat with us. and. Mm-hmm. We hope that um, you have nothing but success in the future. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Rebecca and Joe. And like you mentioned before, Rebecca, we've been kind of talking about getting together and it hasn't worked out. But, you know, I believe today is the perfect time, you know. There's a yeah, time absolutely. and a perfect And I appreciate what you guys are doing for the community and educating the public. Um, as I said about suicide prevention and just making people aware of where they can get help and the resources, etc. I commend both of you guys so very much. Thank you. Well, well, thank thank you. you. We appreciate that. Most kind. Now, stay on the line. We're going to be signing off with Photograph by Stefan Alexander. Have a great weekend, everybody, and uh, stay safe. And wear your mask. I fell in love with a photo. Head over heels for a face I'll never know. Squeaky clean in a bathrobe. Just the hint of the skin that hides below. I can't help it, I'm already, already daydreaming this fantasy, fantasy. Repeating, but nobody's stripping for all I got are these eyes looking out of my screen. A
frame I might want nothing to do with you If we met outside the frame I might want to put you back in I'll put you in my heart Keep it 